give yourself to the dark side. Help me. Ron and Anian. You're my only hope. When a chain or a guy breaks on a Nissan, they're bendable motors. They all bend, so at that point, your your Nissan is now nothing more than a four-wheeled flower pot. If you only knew the power. The Car Doctor. I've yet to have anybody show me in my face an oil filter line from any manufacturer that has longer than a six to 7,000 mile oil drain interval. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. Here's Ronnie. Hey, hey. My, one of my favorite lines. Hey, Ron and Annie and the car doctor, welcome. Come on in, sit down. I was just watching Empire Strikes Back today. It's very funny that we're that we're um, we're into this uh, Star Wars opening today, and I thank Tom Ray for that. As always, his great openings. Just uh, I look forward to them each and every week. So anyway, I'm uh, here for you, and I look forward to talking to each and one of each and every one of you each and every week. And um, I am Ron and Annie and the car doctor. The phone number is eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Here to talk to you about your car. If you don't know that by now, if you're if you're a regular, you should know that that this radio show is really to help answer and solve your questions and your problems. Um, pretty much like the customer that came into the shop this week, Elizabeth. She had a '98 Honda Accord that blew one of the main brake lines going down along the floor pan. And to replace it, by the time you buy all the lines from Honda, install them, reroute a few things, it's probably a $2,000 repair. She decided it was time to replace this 300,000-mile Accord. And, you know, the, the guidance that I gave her in making a car purchase decision and things to look for and conversations and the different brands that I are, you know, my particular like list right now, um, that, that's really what I did for her. That's what I want to do for you because, um, you know, that's what this radio show is all about, just trying to help you make a decision, trying to help you understand the car because uh, I know it's a very complex, very difficult to deal with item in uh, in your everyday life today. And um, that's just the way it is. That's the technology of it. And that's, you know, I'm just here to help you sort out the technology and the mechanical nuts and bolts, as it were, and uh, help you make it to the point where you can understand it. There are times I don't understand it. So, um, you know, trust me, if, if I have a problem, then you're going to have an even bigger problem. I worked on a Volkswagen this week. I was going to tell you this story second hour. I'll tell you this story this hour. Um, I worked on a Volkswagen this week. Um, don't say this to anybody, and don't 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 say it too loud. I think I'm starting to enjoy working on Volkswagens. I I, I can't I can't figure out why. I had a <laughs> I had a 2003 Volkswagen Golf this week. And it needed a timing belt. Well, actually, what happened was a little two-liter. It came in with an overheating complaint. And one of the problems that's common on these, and, you know, I guess the reason I'm starting to like Volkswagen is I'm starting to understand them because they're so easy to pick on. They make it they make it so simple to say, what a piece of junk. It's, you know, it's just the impeller for the water pump. And this has been going on. This is not news. This has been like this for years. The, the impeller, the piece that spins, that circulates the coolant on this particular Volkswagen, like a lot of them, is made out of plastic. It's a plastic impeller. And they're known, they, they fall off, they get loose, they stick, they go, and they do anything but circulate coolant there for so many miles, and you have to replace them. Well, 
you know, this one was no different. Car came in with an overheat complaint that had no heat, and then it would have heat, and then it didn't have heat. Pulled the thermostat out. If you pull the thermostat out, you can stick your finger in the hole and feel the impeller, and sure enough, the impeller spun all by itself, which would be great if the timing belt wasn't on the car, but since the timing belt drives the water pump, oops, you know, the plastic impeller is is, is loose. In order to do a water pump on a Volkswagen, this one, and a lot of them, You've got to take the timing belt off. So it's 60,000 miles. It's time. Might as well do a timing belt anyway on this, you know, 2003. So what is it? Almost 14-year-old Volkswagen. Um, let's, let's do a timing belt. You take the timing belt apart, and, you know, you're looking for the marks. And, yep, there it is. There's the white mark, and there's the – but, gee, the, the crank doesn't line up. No, that's got to be the mark. You look at it three times, that's got to be the mark, and you, you bring the flywheel around because on Volkswagen – See, Volkswagen wants to save money on timing marks. They don't want to have a guy stand there and stamp the mark on the front of the motor. They want the cam sprocket ID mark on one side, and they want the crank sprocket ID mark on the trans side. So you're looking between the two. This side is here. This side is there. I'm not sure why they do it this way, but, you know, if any bag of donuts, that's just the way they do it. So, you know, you find the mark on the other side, and you go, okay, that's it. There's a, there's a, a notch, and you take the belt off. Now, when I take timing belts off, and I've done more than a few, they don't pop. I haven't had it where the cam sprocket goes and kind of is sprung. It's not under load. Usually you're, you're catching it in a, in, a, in, a, in a dead spot, in a flat location. Well, that wasn't the case. And when I saw the cam sprocket jump, I went, oh, man, I bet that wasn't the timing mark. Sure looked like the timing mark, but I bet it wasn't the timing mark. Did a little more digging, took the sprocket, took the cam sprocket, and found another mark on it, another mark that had no paint, which was unusual because usually the, 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 the notch in the sprocket is accompanied by a paint dot of some type. I said, gee, I guess the only way I'm going to know this is I'm going to have to look at the, and I put it back together, I put the timing cover back on on the front side, and there's an approximation mark, I call it, because it's... It's approximate. It's 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 there for the concept of depending upon how you tighten the Allen screws going into the balancer, whether or not it's true top. So, put it there, and I went, "Wow, it it's not even close." But yet, there's a mark on the flywheel. Long story short, I come to find out that the mark on the flywheel was a false mark. Somebody must have taken it apart at some point and put a a notch into the flywheel. It wasn't stamped properly. And I spun the flywheel around, and lo and behold, I found the zero mark. I found the exact zero mark that looked like I remembered it. And when I did that, I lined up the cam sprocket and put it together, and it worked. That isn't the point of the story. When I pulled the water pump out of the block, remember I was doing a water pump, and I got sidetracked by the timing marks that weren't there? When I pulled the water pump out of the block, the water pump came out, and there was nothing on the other end. I went, gee, where's the impeller? Where's the piece that's supposed to spin around that circulates the coolant? And I stuck my finger in the hole, and I pulled it out, and there it is in two halves. Now, I mean, come on. I I know you guys think I don't like Volkswagen. I'm I'm trying to be democratic about it. You just said you don't like Volkswagen. Well, well, Don't contradict yourself. Well, they... Wait, 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 wait. Now he started by saying he does like Volkswagen. Well, I'm, now, starting, is it wrong? I'm starting to think I do like Volkswagen, but then I look at 
How do you design something with a plastic impeller in a cooling system expecting it to last? And I'm thinking, you know, this was the same engineer that created the emission scandal. The guy had nothing else to do that day. He figured he'd put a plastic impeller on the water pump. When the water pump failed, the engine overheated. It blew up. They drive up sales. I think it's a plot. Like, what are they thinking? I'm starting to like working on Volkswagens more because I'm starting to understand how they think. They they think badly. Um, you know, it just it's just the way they are. Long story short, I've said that already. Car's only as good as the way it's engineered. But the way the engineer puts it together makes it more difficult for the mechanic. Last week on Facebook, I was talking about something about the way a particular car was put together, and somebody actually wrote on the Facebook post, they said, wow, I love it when mechanics call out engineers. And I promptly wrote back, gee, if you really want to get a good laugh, you should be a mechanic for 43 years and see what it feels like because you'll die laughing. The point is engineers make mistakes, and engineers make mistakes based on what the marketing and the accounting department tells them they're allowed to put in the car. That's my belief. They're governed by dollars. They're not governed by common sense. The day and age of build it, to, build it to last is so far gone. It just doesn't exist anymore. And we see it everywhere in everyday life, from buying Rubbermaid garbage cans at the local hardware store to buying the same garbage can at Home Depot, and they're the same brand, same model, and yet one weighs half as much as the other because Home Depot's got their own brand of garbage cans. Things are not made to last. Volkswagen water pumps were never meant to go the distance. Here's one at 58,000 miles. The impeller fell off. And yet to do this, you have to go through this whole rigmarole of pulling the whole front of the motor apart and timing belt and tensioner and where am I going with this conversation? Nowhere, really. I just wanted to explain to you that I, I sort of like Volkswagens again. Um, I've got more stories like this this week. I've got all kinds of things I want to talk to you about. I want to make you aware that if you're working on a car and you've Think things are going along really well? Well, that's the story for the second hour that I was going to tell the first hour. Uh, I'm going to tell you about the Toyota and how things go bad with Toyota. Because every once in a while, things go bad on Toyotas, too. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit later on this hour, maybe next hour. Um, I also want to comment. I got a I got an email from a listener about Toyota hybrids. They want to talk to me about a Toyota hybrid. They want to know what I think about them. I've got some thoughts on that. I went and I talked to a couple of guys that work on them every day and get their thoughts and uh, their opinions. So if you're in the market for a Toyota hybrid, because that's where this conversation started about buying cars, um, we're going to talk about that this hour. But I am here at 855-560-9900 to take your calls and answer your questions. And when we return, we're going to open the garage doors and go right to it. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back, Ron and the Car Doctor. By the way, Tom, um, can I have off in two weeks, maybe, sort of, kind of? I, I don't Tony, do you think we should give him any time off? No. Because, I, I, you know, the, the, the fat guy in the red suit keeps calling me. Something about putting a sleigh together and, you know. Oh, not again. Yeah, again, we got to go through this Didn't drama. did that last year? Well, I go through it every year. 
I, you know, it's, 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 listen. Are you giving them a Volkswagen? No, no, no. Santa's been good. Are you going to be taking the but, Volkswagen you know, out of the bags for the, for, you know, so he doesn't drop them off to people's houses? See, you guys, you guys don't understand. Volkswagen is the present of choice for those not on the good list. Oh, now we, we well, we, we, we thought those people actually got Cleveland Brown stuff. Uh, no, 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 no. The people below, you see, and the people below the Volkswagen people, they get season tickets to the Jets games. Let's go over and open the phone lines. <laughs> Let's go over and open the phone lines. Ouch! And I used to be a, I used to be a Jets fan. Um, they used to have a football team. I thir- I heard somewhere. Let's go over and talk to Richard in Hastings, Michigan. Richard, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. Just goofing around. How can I help you today? <laughs> oh, I'm just listening to you. Um, I got a 2002 Chevy, uh, three quarter ton, heavy duty uh, truck pickup. Right. And I'm having trouble with the brakes. Uh, I did a complete brake job. And before I did the brake job, I had this problem. When you come up to a stop sign, and just before you get ready to stop, it goes, and then it jerks you off to the right. Okay. Something with the ABS, I know that. Yes, but. yes. And and the way, okay, so what, what what what's happening is you're getting a false ABS event. Did you have the problem before the brake repair? Yes, I did. Okay. And that's why I, I thought, well, I... I put it in my garage and put it up on the hoist, right. pull the wheels off, and I looked at the brakes, and I said, hmm, right. I guess I better put a brake job on it. Yeah, and, you know, and, regular uh, brakes. And, 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 and the way I tell everybody if you want to verify, um, you know, if, if you want to verify and prove it to yourself it's an ABS event, although it sounds like it is because, you are you know, you're kind of getting that, the brr, it's, 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 it's like you're driving on a washboard road effect, correct? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. You know, the way, if, if you want to prove it to yourself – then go find one of the ABS sensors and disconnect. I did. I changed both of them, put well, new ones in. No, what I was going to say was disconnect one. Disconnect one. Oh, just, just disconnect okay. it. Disconnect it, and the problem will go away. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that as, a t- as a permanent solution. I'm saying if you want to try an inexpensive method to prove to yourself that you're, you're right in chasing ABS, then disconnecting the sensor will then put the system into bypass and and prevent ABS from working. So then it will function with mm-hmm. just regular brakes. Knowing that, once you do that and and you can then sit there and say, you know, hey, it's 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 now normal brakes and you know for sure at that stage it's it's an ABS problem, then we can have the conversation about, you know, looking at wheel speed sensors and 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 so forth because they are notorious. Mm-hmm. What you're going through is very notorious. Now, if you have the ability before you disconnect that ABS sensor, I don't know if you do. If you have a scan tool, it would be nice if you could scan and see, do you have any fault codes? Do you have a 269 or a 274 or anything like that, ABS sensor well, related? I did that. Okay. Anything in there? I took it to a friend of mine that has a garage, and he right. couldn't find nothing wrong. Okay. <laughs> did he? Well, but did he, scan, did he scan the ABS control module, or did he, did he scan the ECM? Well, he plugged in underneath the dash here. Okay. And which module did he go into? Beats the heck out of me, but right. he said that. Um, and uh, how many? So I, I put two new ones in. Okay, and it didn't well, make no difference. Well, because the problem may not be in the sensor; the problem may be in the air gap that the sensor rides against. Where, where is that at? Now? That's that's underneath the sensor, inside the wheel hub. The area, the area, oh, the area where the sensors were. Yep, I know. Are they rusty? Here, you can. 
Um, I cleaned them all off. Okay. Right but, down to the bare metal. Right. But now the problem is, is one higher or lower than the other in reference to the tone ring? Um, I couldn't tell you. Right. See, the issue is, the issue is that the height of the sensor away from the yep. toothed ring has to be the same mm-hmm. side to side and front to back. And if it's different, it will produce a slightly different signal. So how do you cure that? How well, do you know? Because well, uh, the first thing you've got to no do is space or anything to put in there. Right. The easiest way is I would I would crack out. A, this is a case where, and I don't say it often, but I would crack out a lab scope, and I would I would put a signal trace up of each sensor and lay them out against themselves. You're not going to be okay. able to catch. You're not going to be able to catch the sensors fast enough on a scan tool. No scan tool is fast okay. enough. You, you need to look at this on a lab scope. You're looking at the size of the signal and the frequency of, of, it, of it crossing its center line. Amplitude and size, as they say. All right. Now, uh, after I uh, did my brakes and stuff, the wife and I took the uh, truck and we went for about, oh, over there and back for about 100 miles. And it was fine. And as I was pulling uh, with my pickup, and as I was pulling back down my little road here, I was going real slow. My ABS light come on, my brake light come on, and I pulled into my driveway. And I had brakes. Right. And then so I shut it off and let it set there a few minutes, turned it back on, and the ABS went off and the brake light went off. Have you scanned it since then? No. Okay, nope. scan it. There may be something in there. Okay. You, you've I'll, got... I'll you, try you've, that. You've got an ABS issue going on, Richard. It's that simple. Do you understand? Yeah, do you understand? Do you understand what I mean when I say an ABS event? Yep. The computer, Good. the computer thinks one of the wheels, front or back, is approaching lockup. All right. Oh, okay. Now, it, where's uh, is there a ABS sensor on the back? There, there, there should be. It's either. I don't believe it's going to be single. I don't believe this is a four wheel sensor vehicle. This is a sensor in the left and the right front and a sensor in the differential. They're picking it up off of a sensor in the differential as far as lockup for the rear. Generally, that's how they do it. Now, 2002, later on, they went to a four-channel system, but I don't think that's the way you have it. So you'll have to crawl into the truck and see what sensors you have and then work backwards from there. But when you scope it, a four-channel scope looking at three or four sensors would be the ideal way to go. Do that. Give me a call back, 855-560-9900. Harlan Siegel of Launch is coming up next. Stay tuned. things about my favorite time of year, this being my favorite time of year, hello, welcome, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor, by the way, is my next segment. I love talking to this man. He's one of the smartest guys out there um, in the industry today, and um, I put a lot of pressure on him, and he always comes through with good answers and good information when it comes to scan tools. This guy knows what's going on, Harlan Siegel of Launch. Harlan, welcome back, sir. How are you? Very good, Ron. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, how's um, how's things over at Launch this year? You guys have been very busy and uh, setting the industry on its on its collective ear. What's new over there? Uh, actually, uh, quite quite a bit. Uh, we had uh, so far, uh, and the, the year's still uh, still not over, an exciting year, introduction of, uh, of new products, 
new New Horizons, new distribution. Uh, we received the Frost and Sullivan Award uh, for value leadership. A lot of a lot of positive things uh, moving us forward. The um, you know one of the things you did this year, and you're the only ones that I have seen to do this is. The X431 Pro, the new smaller tablet, am I saying that right, Harlan? The, yes. um Is that the 9-inch or the 10-inch, whatever size that screen is? I, You know me, I'm... 8-inch. Uh, 8-inch, okay. Um, the OBD2 software that's in there, you're the only guys that actually tell you if the you know the information you're looking at when you're looking at data stream, if, if what you're seeing, if, you know, if engine RPM is... Is, is 1100 at idle and it's supposed to be 800 you flag it in red and give us hey here's the spec here's what we're here's here's the generic what we're looking for what it should be which is very handy um you know how do you do that where do you come up with that <laughs> absolutely well uh, what we actually are using are the uh, protocol guidelines uh for for uh, the range expectations and when it uh, either exceeds that or is at the uh, below the minimal level, we will flag that red. And it's great for all markets because you know it will alert you to something that you know you may be looking for a particular PID, particular you know reading, and you're scrolling through screens, and the red allows to it basically alerts you to something that you might have missed. Especially when we get into you know more of a you know DIY user, it certainly helps out quite a bit. Oh yeah, well you know, and listen, even for the non-DIY what, what what the first experience I had with it was I was using it on a Toyota that I had a um, uh, I had a catalytic converter fault code issue going on and I'm, I'm going through OBD2 and I'm looking at it and I didn't notice it the first pass through but one bank and it turned out to be the bank that I was worried about the cat on had a higher than normal fuel trim and so you know it was like bank two bank one was five percent and bank two was 22 percent but when you're scrolling by 300 pids or whatever the number is you don't tend to notice you're trying to look at everything that red caught my eye and i went wait a minute why is that one red and then all of a sudden i realized what you were doing you're you're flagging it for us that it's out of scale it tracked it down there was a vacuum leak there was a tiny little vacuum hose off and had it not been for you know i mean i would have gotten it eventually there's you know you're, you're getting deeper into the each solution each problem but the, the fact that it flagged it in red just made life so much easier for me i said why doesn't somebody why hasn't somebody done this up till now i was i was stunned um uh just just making it easier will that software design or intention does that follow over into your other scan tools as well will it has it uh it it does on the professional line so the, uh, you're talking about the X431 Pro uh, Android 8-inch that we came out uh, uh, mid-year this year, uh, as well as the larger unit, similar similar product, which is in a 10.1-inch. It does it on that as well as on the Pad 2. Yeah, um, definitely, clearly um, uh, the way to go in terms of making it easier for all of us. And then from the DIYer's perspective, Harlan, um, you know, uh, what do they have to look forward to from launch, if I can? You know, it's the holidays, and uh, everybody's looking for some last-minute gift ideas. Is there anything, you know, under 500 bucks? what can um, what can the listeners go look for if somebody out there is on their list as a mechanic wannabe and uh, they're looking for a tool? What do you got in the grab bag? Actually, we have, uh, we have some uh, really good offerings at some wonderful price points, uh, you know, starting at uh, what we call the C-Reader 5 Plus, 
uh, at uh, uh, sixty nine ninety five is the list price, and that's going to give uh, that's going to give the user complete access to generic OBD two. So that would be all makes and models, doesn't matter. And it's going to give them a color screen, uh, two point four inch screen. Uh, it'll be able to graph. It's it's one graph, a multi language, and also I am readiness monitors. So so you know, and a nice little package for under seventy dollars is is a wonderful uh, stocking yeah, stuffer. Yeah, well, that, sure. that, that that is a stocking stuffer. Well, you know, I think part of the issue is, and tell me where your thoughts are on this. We just had a call previously from a gentleman who was working on an ABS problem. I think part of the problem is everybody assumes you plug in, as he put it, he said, well, he plugged into the connector under the dash and didn't come up with any codes. And my question was, now he had an ABS problem. My question was, is he looking in the ABS module? Just because you plug in under the dash doesn't mean you're getting all the information. And, you know, I I think your solution, because I've noticed you do it um, uh, among the professional side, is you'll allow us to plug in and run something called a quick test. And that polls, P-O-L-L-S, you know, polls all the modules on the vehicle and asks for code information and who's got what where. And then that transforms and then allows us, you know, so so in his case, he would have gone in, plugged in, found an ABS fault code in theory, and then gone right to that system. And you've, you've kind of made it a shortcut and you've made it quicker to get into the diagnostic routine. Um, one of the things I find, and I don't know what you're experiencing is, a lot of people tend to overlook OBD2. Uh, you know, OBD2 is there, you've got to use that, and then manufacturer-specific, you've, you've got to use that as well, correct? Absolutely, and uh, actually, I'm glad you're bringing that up because that is a popular call we get into our call center because so many times uh, it goes both ways. You know, somebody may be using a, uh, an enhanced scan tool, OE-specific, uh, like our professional line, and, uh, and, and, and there may not be any codes yet if you plug in what one would uh, understand as a less expensive generic code reader or the generic software that's in uh, all of our ProLine tools, a code appears because they're basically like two sides of a wall and they don't necessarily share anything. I mean, they, they could, but it's not a guarantee. So you could have you know, a, a generic code, uh, we'll call it, you know, like, for example, an engine or powertrain, a P0 code, uh, come out on a generic side, and, uh, and, and, and then it would be a P1 code, maybe even similar on the enhanced side, but not necessarily show back up on the generic. You actually need to access both, you know, at a, at a higher level. And, and you just, it, it's come to the point where if you're a DIYer, you got to be able to get into the system. You know, Tom tells me the story about his daughter and um, her, her escape. Uh, when she has, she does little things when she's away at school and she doesn't know and she'll plug in, read the code, or Tom, you know, she'll come home and Tom will read the code. A guy like Tom or a person, in th- you need the ability to read the codes, but then the professional needs the ability to read codes, to look at OBD2, to look at manufacturer-specific, and to look at system modules because the electronics are only growing in size in, in, in terms of these cars today. It's, it's not shrinking. And it's it's going to be just ever so much more in the future going down the road. Where do you see, Harlan, if I can get you to just, you know, and I know there's some things you can't talk about, but if, if you were to predict two years from now, where will scan tools be? Will, will, we be? will we be Bluetooth wireless in the car, not going to an OBD2 connector, but just connecting to something behind the dashboard by a Bluetooth method, do you think? Um, do you see the point where it's, you know, what's the next evolution of scan tool going to look like? 
Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's a constant uh, engineering discussion, you know, and and uh, and the concerns of uh, of wireless, you know, have to do with uh, you know with the recent noise of hacking and 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 how that can be firewalled and 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 to protect both the uh, the you know the controllers in the vehicle and also the, the the you know the customer and their safety. So that that's always been a big question: is the security through wireless uh, communication being Bluetooth, but yet at the same time, you know, there's discussions on Wi-Fi. I mean, even when you get into some OE tools today, you know, they're working on Wi-Fi communications. And then, of course, there's also discussions maybe of a future state Ethernet, uh, where you plug in an Ethernet cable into uh, into a port on, on, on the vehicle that might someday, let's say, replace uh, possibly what was uh, what is the current 16 pin right. you know cuz cuz we all know that uh, you know that 16 pin's been around since the early 80s and it never was designed or well, actually not the 16 pin originally was a you know was a 5 pin but uh, but since 96 the 16 pin was never meant to carry the information that we're doing today with these uh, can systems and 70 200 plus uh, uh, computers talking together on the same line that 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 was that never was thought to be. So, so, so change is inevitable. It's going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and you guys will be right at the tip of it. Um, you know, real quick, I have to tell you that the way you update amazes me each and every time. Every time I turn on my launch tool every morning, there's another update for another application. Zip, zip. It's very nice as a professional to know that I'm working with the most current updated software available to me. Um, you know, and it's, and it's a simple flick of the button and turn it on and download and off I go to work. Hey, Harlan, listen, if the listeners want to get more information about Launch Product, give me the website. www.launchtechusa.com. That's L-A-U-N-C-H-T-E-C-H-U-S-A.com. And uh, you've got uh, uh, information sheets, uh, even some videos and everything you need to know. And listen, by the way, we should point out, we'll talk about this next time. Uh, I want to get you on in the spring when we start thinking about tires. But that TPMS tool of yours is just is just it's it's an it's an underrated um, uh, sensation. It just works so well. So we'll talk about that next time around. All right, buddy. I do appreciate it. And, uh, thanks so much, Ron. You're very welcome. I like Marla. what you're doing. Uh, thank you, sir. You take good care, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I am Ron Anini and the Car Doctor, and I'll be back to talk to Tim in Michigan right after this. Ronnie and the Car Doctor, rolling along here, Elvis included. Let's get over and talk to uh, Tim in Michigan. Tim, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. My name is Tim from Michigan. How are you, sir? Good, sir. What's going on? Good. I have a 2003 Honda Civic LX. Uh, about six weeks ago, uh, I, you know, I noticed that um, my hubcap had brake dust all over it, so I went ahead and changed the front brakes on both sides and the rotors and uh I, I noticed that there was some rubbing on the right side and it wasn't like a metal grinding it just sounded like almost like a deep like a rubber hitting something hit a rubber um so i it took everything back off and i checked the brakes and everything everything looked great um uh checked the uh, uh you know made sure everything was sprayed off and cleaned off real good 
Um, didn't look like any wear and tear on it, so I couldn't understand where the rubbing was come from. Made sure that the uh, brake shield wasn't rubbing against the tire, uh, but it's, it keeps happening. And so finally what I did is I just kind of broke down, went to a mechanic, and, uh, you know, had them listen to it. They took everything off, and they looked at the hub bearing, and they said, no, it looks good, and the hub bearing looks great. Took it for a drive, couldn't hear anything. And uh, I, I picked it back up, and I was driving it around over the weekend, and I heard it again. It's almost as if once it gets hot after driving it, you, you that's when you hear the sound, only when you're trying to brake. Is, and, was, um, what, was the noise there prior to the brake work, Tim? It was, and and I just figured it was just because the the brake pads were low. Okay, so I so, just thought so it was the metal, noise metal versus metal. So the noise was there prior to the brake work. Doing the brake work had no right. effect on it. It's still as consistent or inconsistent as it was before. Absolutely. Okay. No visible, you know, Absolutely. no no visible play in any, in the hub or the bearing, anything like that. None at all. In all fact, right. they they said it looked great, and so. I went ahead and had them replace the hub bearing, um, and we thought that was going to fix it on the passenger side. Uh, however, the noise is still there, and so I dropped it back off, and now they're saying it's, it sounds like a bearing in the transmission. Okay, well, before we go there, how are they coming to this conclusion? Um, are they are they listening to it, driving it on a lift with a stethoscope? Uh, yes. They are? Yes. Okay, so yeah, because he he said he had all the news listening to it. All right, so and maybe it is a maybe it is a noise in 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 the transmission. Let me explain the way I would do this if it was at the shop. If I had it up in the air, it would be because a road test will just tell me there's a noise. It doesn't tell me where the noise is. So right. it, in the shop, it's Danny. Give me twenty hard. Twenty hard is I want a quick acceleration of twenty miles an hour, and I'm listening. What's the rate of acceleration? Is the buzz from the left wheel or the right wheel? If I hear it in the right, the next thing I'm going to do is stop the left front wheel. Sometimes I'll put a, a screwdriver and a caliper and to, to hold it or just wedge something in there. Hold it, drive the right. Do I still hear the noise? Yes. Okay. Stop the right front wheel, let the left front spin. Do I still hear the noise? Yes. Okay. Then it's not the right front bearing. It's not the left front bearing. It's got to be in the trans at that point because that's the only thing spinning that's still constant. Did, did that make sense to okay. you? So, you know, yes. if, if, yeah, they've, sure if, if they've gone through that, then I'm up against the clock here, Tim, so I'm going to have to rush. But if they've gone through that, then, yeah, then I would say it is in the trans. Um, but ask them, if this doesn't fix it, where would they go next and how sure are they? Because internal trans noises are going to get to be very expensive. Before they do it, ask them, hey, how did you break this down or are we guessing? And uh, we'll kind of go from there. Let's talk next week. I'm up against the clock. All right, buddy? All right, Tim, take good care. I'll be Ron and Annie in the car, Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Let's uh, do a quick piece of email. Hey, Ron, I listen to you regularly on WVOM, the voice of Maine. I know where that is, 103.9, and appreciated your help with getting a manual for my trailblazer recently. That being said, I'm considering replacing my current vehicle and wondering if there are any cars that are being sold that are not so full of electronics so that if you lose power, you can't even roll down a window. The basic way to contact me during my work schedule would be via email or podcast. Thanks, Richard. Um, 
No. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. Everything is so full of electronics today that you just simply can't get away from it. Uh, the only thing being sold is that is that 62 Dodge Dart on Craigslist um, with cranked down windows and a straight six and a carburetor. But other than that, everything is just so overloaded and overladen uh, with scan tools that are with electronics that you just can't you can't get away from it. As, as tough as that is to understand, and I, I get it. Um, it makes me wonder how long can you keep a car? Somebody asked me this question the other day. Hey, Ron, how long can I reasonably expect to keep a car? My answer used to be until you're tired of fixing it. Now my answer is until the manufacturer stops making software for it and phases it out just like Windows does with XP and 3-point whatever and so on and so forth. So um, it's going to be all software changes that cause the demise of the car, not the hardware. So, hey, that about wraps it up this hour. I'm Ron Anany and The Car Doctor. By the way, keep in mind, if you're podcasting The Car Doctor, Click on the subscribe button from whatever apparatus you're using. Click on subscribe. Helps us pay the bills. Keep that in mind. Until the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See you.